1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Just past noon, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you with us here on 98.9 The Answer. The biggest headline of the day is that the Pfizer vaccine for COVID-19 has gained full approval from the FDA. What does that mean? How does this process come about? Should you view the vaccine any differently than you did before? Uh, I don't have the answers to those questions, but I can get you someone who does. She is Dr. Alita Chen of Cedarville University, and she is the assistant dean of Cedarville's pharmacy school, which, yes, they have a pharmacy school, and it's a really good one at Cedarville. And Dr. Chen and uh, other esteemed professionals uh, will give your children great instruction uh, through a biblical prism. So Dr. Chen, thank you so much for your time today. appreciate you coming on on short notice.
2: I'm happy to be on with you. Thank you very much.
1: So I'm reading the wire accounts of the change in status for the Pfizer vaccine. It says that the emergency use authorization was based on clinical trials involving 37,000 people. The full approval was based on a study involving more than 44,000 people over six months. Is that the typical kind of uh, test uh, examination that is given to a vaccine before it makes the transition from emergency to full authorization? That's a
2: great question. The key difference between the emergency use and the full authorization is not necessarily the more people. It's following over a longer period of time. So for emergency use authorization, we need two months of information. But then for the full approval, we're looking at that six month period of time. And so they were able to look at all of us, uh, all the healthcare professionals, all the older adults that got the early vaccines, and they've had updates throughout that and watching what's gone on with them, and also following some of the people in the clinical trials for a longer period of time. So that's the key difference. And usually in vaccine studies, we're looking at 30,000 people or more uh, to show that the vaccine is both safe and effective. So we've well exceeded the normal amount for uh, vaccine approval.
1: Okay, so you know how this works. Everything's politicized on this. I can already hear that people will be saying uh, this wasn't given the typical process. It was rushed into permanent approval or full approval because uh, Joe Biden or someone wants you to get a vaccine. What you're saying is, no, this is normal. This is the exact process they would follow for any vaccine of any type. There's nothing that's been expedited here. Maybe the urgency of it's expedited, but the six-month waiting period is a normal waiting period, and they would have the same amount of data on this that they would have for something else.
2: Absolutely. In fact, uh, you can look at many of the vaccines that we trust today, and they have a similar amount of people enrolled in their studies, That you're seeing typically 30,000 or more, and you're seeing a similar length of follow-up. In fact, in in this case, because so many people have gotten the vaccine just overall, uh, outside of the study, outside of some of the early people they followed, we have a really good sense of how this vaccine works, because so many people have gotten it. And- steps weren't skipped in this process. Sometimes things were run at the same time or, or or things like that, but it doesn't change how the trials were run. They had to meet all the criteria. And in fact, this full approval is kind of another level of providing us the confidence that the vaccines weren't rushed, that they were done well. And we have to remember, this is not new technology. So, this could feel rushed, if this was something new, but we've been working on this vaccine technology for multiple years in response to some of the different flus that we saw, the H1N1 and things like that in the 2000s. And so this has been coming for a while. We've just applied it to a new infection, which is COVID.
1: Okay, very good. Alita Chen, Dr. Alita Chen is our guest. She's with Cedarville University. She's an associate professor of pharmacy practice. She has a PhD in pharmacy practice and gerontology. And uh, we're talking about the full approval now for the Pfizer vaccine is the first vaccine to gain full approval. The others have emergency approval. So you mentioned this technology, MRNA technology, which my layman's right. understanding of that is that it tells your body, hey, uh, you need to do this. Uh, some of us, I'm one who had COVID, a mild case. I uh, I recovered. I had a physical examination previously scheduled two months after contracting and recovering from COVID. I was told from my blood test that I had the antibodies. That's what my body did on its own. Am I right in saying that mRNA induces your body to do uh, something that your body would do if it were exposed to whatever, I guess, small amount of COVID or whatever signals are are or put in that vaccine to get your body to produce antibodies?
2: That's a really good way of looking at it. Yes, it works in that way. So it it carries what's known as a spike protein, but that's all the technical terms, right? It essentially goes into your cells and helps your body kind of give that red flag. Hey, you know, this is something that's a threat to your health. And it produces the antibodies needed to fight it off. So your body, in advance, learns how to fight it off before you get COVID, and that's really what this vaccine is designed to do.
1: Okay, so there are uh, there's great speculation, and we're talking with Dr. Alita Chen, Cedarville University Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of conversation, a lot of debate. Uh, I have the antibodies. I had COVID. I recovered. I don't need to get the vaccine. I don't want to get the vaccine. Uh, from your perspective as a doctor and very educated on these matters, is there any reason why someone like myself who's had COVID recovered and I don't ha- I've not been vaccinated, I don't really see the need to get vaccinated, uh, whether I should or shouldn't, do you? what would you tell me if, if that's my reason for not getting it? I've had COVID. My body handled it. If I get it again, my body will handle it again. What would your advice to me be?
2: You know, that's a really good question, and I think that's a question a lot of people are asking. So it's, it's possible to get COVID again, and we're seeing that in, in the news, right? Yep. People are getting what's known as breakthrough or second cases of COVID. And so what the vaccine does is it's not going to necessarily 100% prevent you from getting COVID. We know that. But your second time of having COVID, you might get a lot more sick. We see people that end up in the intensive care unit, they're having trouble breathing, they have lung problems, cardiac problems, you know, heart problems, things like that. And so my recommendation would be to consider getting the vaccine, maybe not to prevent COVID because you've got some antibodies there, but you want to make sure that your body is primed, it is ready to fight as well as it can so that you don't get super sick. Because what we are finding is those that get the vaccine, they don't die from covid Mm -hmm. they don't get as sick from covid people who get covid naturally don't quite have the immune response that people who get the vaccine do now that's not every single person but there's many people who don't get the vaccine who had covid who don't quite aren't quite able to fight it off as well but again it's a personal choice you've got to weigh your own choices but those are some things to think about if you're not sure whether or not to get vaccinated
1: Dr. Alita Chen, Cedarville University Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice. Uh, I can ask you this because you're at Cedarville, and I know from having gone through the process uh, to be evaluated as an instructor at Cedarville that uh, I know what that's like. I know the questions they ask, and I know the answers that you have to give. So I can feel very comfortable asking you this, and I think my listeners here on The Answer would be very interested in your perspective on this. There are, sure. there are Christians who are not comfortable with this kind of a vaccine this mrna vaccine they would be maybe more comfortable with quote-unquote old technology the johnson and johnson technology Uh, as a believer what's your perspective on this being something that um, and again this is kind of a very clumsy way of stating it that it reprograms your body or gets your body to do something that your body wouldn't wouldn't do, which I guess we've just talked about. That's not necessarily true. But you know what I'm saying. There are people who have a hang-up on this because they feel like it somehow conflicts with their faith.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, as a believer, I don't just say, okay, science said it's great. I'm all for it, right? I need to be a Berean. I need to critically think and evaluate, right? Go back to God's Word, see how it's consistent, make sure that I'm honoring God in all I do. So I would encourage everyone to do that. Um, And that's within their conscience. So, you know, one of the questions out there is, does this alter my DNA, right? Am I changing who I am with this vaccine? Mm -hmm. So this, the the mRNA technology, the mRNA vaccine, does not impact our DNA whatsoever. It only gives our cells information on how to create antibodies, and then it's thrown out of the cell. It's deleted. It's eliminated. It doesn't, mRNA can't even impact our dna so it can't change it it just doesn't work that way so that but that is a question that i've heard and something that people are concerned about and and so i would say that 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 wouldn't that wouldn't uh deter me from getting the either the pfizer or the moderna vaccine because it doesn't change our dna
1: very good Dr. Chen, you've been very helpful on this and very easy to understand, which I think, you know, is always a danger when you're talking about medical things. And I really do (laughs) appreciate your perspective and the work that you're doing at Cedarville. It's a great university. I highly recommend it to anybody uh, who wants to send their kids to a place where they'll be challenged, but they'll also be instructed by people that love them and have the same perspective on life that, uh, that we have. So thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it, and I wish you all the best.
2: Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: There you go. Alita Chen. With some important answers and some clarity on the Pfizer vaccine, which today gained full approval from the FDA and will no doubt drive um, viewpoints for, I'm sure, vaccine mandates and other things that, uh, well, it's just going to add to all the rancor that's already out there. Well, criminals are bad people, but they're not stupid people. A bunch of young, idealistic kids uh, with probably money from mom and dad in their pocket make easy fodder for criminals in the Ohio State area. We had a student robbed uh, and sexually assaulted. And two other students carjacked over the weekend. And then just after midnight uh, tonight... Student walking down North High Street, approached by two suspects at Northwood Avenue, before 2.30 a.m., one suspect pointed a gun at the student, demanded their property um, really, really bad, really bad. So you're not safe, even in the campus area. Um, That's, I guess, not a surprise, but very, very uh, disconcerting. 844-TALK-989, our number, Chris in Columbus, called it, he is on the Bruce Hooley Show. Hello, Chris. Hello, hello, Chris. You're on the air.
3: Okay, great. Um, I just want to first say I got a vaccine shot. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Didn't necessarily want to do it, but went ahead and did it uh,
1: for employment reasons, or could... because uh, somebody talked you into it, or why? If you didn't want to do it, why'd you do it?
3: Uh, my wife. Okay, basically. But but the two things I want to point out is first that, and you may have know you may know this, but. Do we know that the ex-CEO of the FDA is now on the Pfizer board, a guy named Scott Gottlieb? So that presents quite a conflict of interest. And secondly, I don't know if you've ever heard of a website called Armstrong Economics. Very good website. But he has a heading today where it says the FDA and the Gates Foundation collaborate to improve public health. And basically it just says that Bill Gates, who is heavily invested in Pfizer, also contributes much money to those to the FDA and to Pfizer, and so that, once again another conflict of interest. Just two points I wanted to bring out.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for making them. I mean, look, I'm I am willing to listen to any and all points. I will say the most um, the most heavily weighted answer uh, from our uh, doctor from Cedarville, our uh, pharmacist. From Cedarville, uh, to me, was the fact that this vaccine was not rushed through the process to get full approval. Uh, That, to me, was something that I knew I was going to hear, and so I will correct that when I hear that. Because, look, if Anthony Fauci said that to me, I wouldn't believe it, because he has not earned my trust. I have no reason at all, none, to distrust someone from Cedarville University because I know this, they wouldn't be working at Cedarville University if they weren't a trustworthy person. So Alita Chen is somebody whose words have great weight with me, and that's a comfort. I mean, it's a comfort. Does it mean I'll rush out and get a vaccine? No, it doesn't. Uh, as for Scott Gottlieb, I will say this, I don't, he he tweeted this morning his congratulations to his colleagues, or he said his former colleagues at Pfizer. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying he's not on the board. He may be on the board. I don't really care if he's on the board. What I know when you mention the name Scott Gottlieb to me, I do not lump Scott Gottlieb in with Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, Rachel Walensky, and the other contradictory voices out there at the CDC and at the FDA. Because Scott Gottlieb has been interviewed on extensively and cited often on a site that I put my trust in, The Daily Wire. Ben Shapiro is not going to have Scott Gottlieb on and laud Scott Gottlieb as somebody who's trustworthy on COVID if Scott Gottlieb is a partisan actor. That much I know. And Ben Shapiro has been vaccinated, extols the virtues of vaccines, got his parents vaccinated, he believes strongly in vaccines. So, but he's not a shill for the Biden administration. I, mean, I, just love I can't even say that without laughing. So, he's not a shill for the Biden administration. And uh, so that's where we are. I, I, I would be. There are many things about the vaccine, many things about COVID, that would cause me much greater concern than if Scott Gottlieb was on the board at Pfizer. That wouldn't bother me that much. Fauci, Collins, Walensky, I wouldn't trust them a bit, and they they've earned my lack of trust. Uh, now, somebody who is. Earned our gratitude is Rob O'Neill, Navy Seal, SEAL Team Six, shot and killed Osama bin Laden. Uh, Rob O'Neill's thoughts on what he sees unfolding in Afghanistan and what it might mean for our future and our safety here.
0: I yeah, we're we're un, we're more unsafe today than we were yesterday, and um, if this will be a uh, stain on his legacy, and it should be, this is a this is a big mistake. Yeah, I mean, we like I said. You, Well, they're going to send another couple thousand troops in there right now. So, you know, we took them out, sent them back in. Um, It's going to be harder because they're going to be in bed and they have our bases and our weapons now. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, more Americans are going to fight. If we're going to get those Americans out of Kabul right now, some Americans are going to have to fight again. And that's men and women from the United States with blood on the ground again. And it's sad to see it. Um, But a lot of times, you know, it's not as cut and dry again um, as um, people want it to be. But, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of – people that are not telling politicians and the public the truth about what's going on on the ground. I've heard there's a, you know, there's a hundreds of thousands of different experiences. I just know what I've seen not there now, but I think, I, yeah, I think we're unsafe.
1: Yeah. There's no other way to paint this. I mean, for Joe Biden to say over the weekend, and this led to a really interesting Chris Wallace question of secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, Joe Biden said late, late last week, Oh, ISIS is not in there anymore. They're not in there. He's nuts. He's he's lying. Okay, I don't know if he's like clueless, demented, cognitively compromised. However, nice way you want to say it, he's lying. ISIS is in there, and if ISIS is in there, and there would be a lot more terrorists flocking there, we're in danger.